Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration Service for the Center of Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. So we received a gift of the mindfulness bell as it assists us in pivoting into peace. We take our attention to that peaceful place within us that's always there, already always there. The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. Even in the midst of these turbulent times with elections on the horizon, we have the capacity to touch that peace and to respond from that peaceful place within. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson that said, seek seek God within yourself. And so we come here to the Center for Spiritual Living to know that we are the source We are the journey and we are the goal. We are the Holy Trinity of the Brahman moving through the Atman, expressing as our individual existence here on planet Earth. And so we shift out of the perception of being separate into the realization that we're part of a wholeness, the one life. It's cosmic in dimension because it comes from outer space. And yet it's earthly in the sense that we are made out of carbon and earth and air and water. And so we begin to experience ourselves in a multidimensional aspect. No longer limited to what Emerson would say, the finite self that wails and suffers. He says, simultaneously, you, you are the infinite presence that lies stretched in smiling repose at the center of all creation. So the invitation with ringing of a bell is to touch that place of radical peace, of the deepest acceptance of life as it is, as an overwhelming gratitude for the grace of the breath, the fact that we're still alive, and that the breath is breathing us. We rest in that field of energy that is loving, that is fully present, that is awake, alive, and on fire with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm comes from the Greek entheos, meaning to be filled with God. And so when we go through an enthusiastic expression, as we did in our revealing service this morning, we felt the light of God shining in the many 
the one and the many and the many and the one. And then we begin to smile to the consequence of this perception, to know that there is no me and you, but there is only that, the one life, endlessly revealing itself. And we are that life expressing authentically from the soul. And this Sunday, in this month of November, 2022, I'm going to explore an idea of blessing the space that is between us. Last night when I went to bed, the rain was pouring down and there was a little pug lying by my side, snoring, and he was shivering and cold, so I took my prayer shawl and wrapped him in it. I swaddled him like a little baby, and he felt at peace. And I put my arm around his little snoring body, and I blessed the space between us. His little heart next to my heart, the one heart, the one life, cuddling in bed, reminding us that we're all one. And so in that place of deep intimacy, I invite you to open your eyes to me see. There's just one here seeing itself. That's kind of a sweet, deeply intimate idea, isn't it? Well, you mean that I could look into the face of a chipmunk and I could see myself reflected? I, well, well, perhaps you could. I shared with you all I had the blessing or a curse, I don't know what it is, of three little baby rats standing in the dining room window looking at me through the window. And of course, I have a common sense husband who said, where there are little rats, there are big rats. And so in that holy instant of some rodents are acceptable while other rodents are not acceptable, I had to move into that mindset Got to get rid of the rats. And so with love in my heart, I have succeeded in mm, eradicating our home from the little vermin. And the rats' traps are sitting there empty, and I think they've gone. Now, we got little repellents and little lights to send them off. I said, please leave. I sprayed all over the house, the spray that's supposed to repel them. I did my very best. I had three... three um, the, transitioned, shall we say that? But Greg Gomez, he reminded me through his wonderful movie, The Poltergeist, I believe it was this morning at the breakfast table, that some wise person said, there is no death, there is only transition. And I felt a reprieve. Uh, so they're transitioning out of their rat existence and maybe a little chipmunk, a stripe will be on its back and he'll have another go around. Or he could be a human. I don't know because I do believe that the soul constantly is transforming itself and reestablishing itself in a fuller expression of life. Well, then maybe they'll come back as a tree. What do you think, Michael? Well, I don't know. It, it's kind of fun to explore life from a very organic, intimate place where none of us has a clue what's next. You know, Emerson says we all seek to be certain, but only to the degree that you are uncertain is there any hope for you. Well, now, nobody wants to hear that, do they, Ari? To be uncertain? You're telling me to be uncertain? When you're uncertain, you're teachable, you're receptive, you're open to what wants to emerge. This Sunday, the first Sunday of November, I'm going to explore the idea of could we be for a new beginning? You know, the Bible says, behold, I make all things new. So what if on this journey of unfoldment, we're here to create a new expression, a new revelation, 
I'm 73, I'll be 74 next month, and I still feel like I am that child of wonder who's breaking through to a deeper realization of something that is so mystical and so beautiful that if I try to encapsulate it with a belief system, I'm going to limit it. So then you pull out Hazrat Anayat Khan who says, you are the source, you are the journey, and you are the goal. Well, that kind of covers it all, doesn't it, Ms. Pam? You're the goal and you're the source and you're the journey. Or the Christians would say, you are the father, which is the source, you are the son, which is the demonstration, and you are the Holy Spirit. And then if you've studied the Gospel of Thomas, you hear the logian of the teacher saying, you can get rid of the father and you can get rid of the son and you will be fine. But if you get rid of the Holy Spirit, ye shall perish. Let those who have ears to hear, hear. Well, what is that Holy Spirit, Mr. Gregg? I think it's the juice. I think it's the aliveness. And so what if we could honor this aliveness that is the Holy Spirit within us waking up and honor it when it seeks to guide us into a deeper sense of who we are, to live an authentic life, not somebody else's version of your life, but truly go within and discover who am I? Tatuam Asi, I am that. So when that starts to awaken, could we begin to honor it? It was Howard Thurman that said, discover what brings you alive and then do that. Well, what does that mean, Michelle? Discover what brings you alive and do that. I think that's honoring the Holy Spirit, isn't it? So if you're living in the question, what brings you alive? You might ask the question, what creates the greatest blessing in your life? Um, we had our beautiful um, picnic yesterday and it was called our Founders Day picnic. I've been here 33 years. I started in 1989. I came on Easter Sunday. And um, there's a, in, in the Hawaiian spirituality, they have three principles. This is for you, Miss Emily. The first principle is the aloha consciousness, which is the namaste consciousness. When you say aloha, you're saying the divine breath, presence in me, sees that divine presence, breath in you. And they call the white people the haoles, the ones that don't breathe, because the Hawaiians are in the aloha consciousness of the breath of spirit. All is the breath of spirit. That's quite beautiful. The second principle, and it's very simple, they don't have Jesus, they don't have sin, they don't have the devil. The second principle in their Organic spirituality is a thing called ohana, and ohana means the family. And so yesterday when we were breaking bread up in the mountains with the pouring rain coming down, and then we put the tablecloths on the table and, and people were sharing the food from the heart, that was ohana, was coming together. And beautiful Terry Hartman created these little pendants that have the cornucopia, which is the, the symbol of the spiral journey. The spiritual path is an ascending spiral. And then on the side back, she put CSLHSV. And so there's a little talisman that you get to touch uh, from the Ohana. But the third practice of the Hawaiian spirituality has always impacted me very deeply. And that's a practice called Ho'oponopono. And being a therapist, you'll appreciate this. They recognized in Hawaii that if you perceive somebody as sick, you're literally ca cause to their sickness. So Ho'oponopono is about changing the way you perceive them. When you see their wholeness, and so the prayer of the Ho'oponopono would be, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for labeling you as sick and pathetic and a loser and a no, whatever you want to say. I'm sorry. And then the second phrase is, please forgive me. I didn't know any better. I labeled you. I judged you. I blamed you. Whatever you want to say. And then the third one is, um, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you 
Thank you for being my teacher and I love you. Now a young lady came to our class on Wednesday. I hadn't seen her in years. And she came right after I had taught the three basic principles on the direct path. And Ajashanti, the three direct principles, one is um, always come from your heart because your heart knows oneness, whereas your head might want to get duplicitous and judge right or wrong. So you come from your heart. The heart has wisdom, the wisdom of the heart. There's an intuitive guidance system coming from the heart. The second practice, simple practice, is pivot into peace, which is, depends on how you respond to the moment. How would peace respond to this moment or how would anger respond to this moment? So when you pivot into peace, well, I guess then you'd have a peaceful response. Mr. Greg, you're, you're delayed in an airport, but you know, I was sending Mark texts, breathe, be at peace, all is well, all the time, even when your flight doesn't go, pivot into peace. And then the third practice that Ajashanti taught was always seek to understand first instead of always to be understood. In other words, listen to when the pain body shows up in your world and it wants to go crazy. Could we listen to it with an open heart and really hear oftentimes what isn't being said? Pam reminds me that all anybody ever wants is to be heard. And sometimes it's what they're not saying that we can really hear. You know, my husband is afraid on election day. He's actually going off tomorrow to go to Las Vegas, Nevada to escape the election because he's afraid that our country might be taken over by you name it. And you know how the mind can run off with a crazy thought. But because I'm talking about a new beginning, I got a little glimpse of hope yesterday. The glimpse of hope came from Michigan of all places. And I was telling Greg at the breakfast table, on the ballot in Michigan, is a thing that will protect women's rights over their body and gay marriage. Well, maybe they'll say that we can still stay married if we move to Michigan, Mark. At the same time in Kentucky, Ms. Jan, they have a thing on the thing to do just the opposite. So some people want to give you rights and some people want to take them away. Could we be in that balanced place? I pivoted into peace. I'm going to try to understand they're afraid of us gay people because we're different. Maybe we have colored hair that's not pleasing to them or I don't know. I still don't understand that. And I'm trying to understand their fear of what is different. And in that, you live in a very alive place because you're not running away. You're not sticking your head in the sand, but you're willing to have the conversation. I love it. My beloved Emily went to this place where she felt estranged and she found herself having breakfast with someone that she had had maybe a disagreement with and they found this common bridge of understanding. So what if that could be the gift for all of us that we get to use whatever time we're in to try to create some kind of way so that we can sense our oneness, our interconnectedness, and then claim the blessing of that moment? This is the book that's inspiring this series for the month of November by a man named John O'Donohue. He's an Irish saint, if you will. He was in the priesthood for years, Greg. And then he left the priesthood because he said there was too much sin and he couldn't handle it. So once he left the priesthood, then his ministry really started and he wrote the Anamkara. And anybody who was in a relationship, I said, if you want to be in a relationship, Michael, you read the Anamkara and you give it to that young lady because that's having the soul friend. And when you have the Anamkara as your partner in life, well, then you have someone who's reflecting your highest good, not someone who's trying to control you or manipulate you into a version of who they see you as. And so this came from this beautiful man. Now at age 52, he had a massive heart attack and he's no longer on the planet. At age 69, I had the Widowmaker, but I survived. So part of my soul says I get to give him space through me 
to do his ministry since he was taken so prematurely. So if John comes through me, you'll just bear with me because he's truly sacred stuff. So let me give you a little taste of John O'Donohue. Uh, love this man. He said, a blessing evokes a privileged intimacy. It's a whole book of blessings. Could you bless this moment? Bless that you're here. Bless that you're holding the hand of your beloved. Bless that you're still alive. Bless that Mark and Greg were telling me they forgot what puddles were like and rain is like and trees are like because they live in the desert. Could we bless this crazy place that we live? You know, we got number one city in the United States and I found out why. It's because of our air. We have the best air because it's clean. We don't have the smoke from the fires. Well, I didn't know it was the air. I thought it was maybe the consciousness. No. <laughs> our air kicked us over into number one. Could we bless this? A blessing evokes a privileged intimacy with your life. It touches the tender membrane where the human heart cries out to its own divine ground. So could we bless this life that we've been given to bless each other, to bless this center, um, to bless your relationship? You get the perfect one, by the way. You always get the perfect relationship. And if this person pushes all your buttons, that's perfect too. And then you begin to say, ah, Divine love is in charge. Bless you. Divine love brought you here. And I, in all my wedding ceremonies, I, I live by the simple premise. Divine love brings together and maintains together those who belong together. And so if you were on that picnic ground, it's because, Susan, you belong in my little pack. And those who don't, well, then they leave. And that's okay. Because as my teacher Kennedy used to say, people come into your life to go out of your life. And so when they come, they enter spirit for a while and you get the blessing of that experience. And if love was real, that love is always there. And then they spirit and go somewhere else. And then you practice radical acceptance. You know, this too is good. This too was for my highest unfoldment. And I demand to see the blessing. Now, when you make a demand on the universe to see the blessing, you're going to see it. Well, is it that simple, Miss Barbara? I think it is. So he says, when you give a blessing, the blessing comes back to you. It's like the boomerang effect. The very first talk I gave in 1989 was called the boomerang effect. What you sow is what you're going to reap. If you sow joy, you're going to reap joy. If you sow anger, you're going to reap anger. What are you sowing? Jesus taught that basic lesson, by the way. It's your karma. Cause and effect. So back to the blessing. The blessing evokes a privileged intimacy. It touches that tender membrane. And our times now, he said, are desperate for meaning and belonging. Now, meaning comes from the soul. So <clears throat> Mark was telling me all he teach now is, is wisdom of the soul. The soul wants to find meaning, whereas the ego and the personality wants to achieve and get fame and fortune. In the wonderful book, Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov, um, Oprah Winfrey took that book and it changed her life. And she said, what I learned from that is when I put my personality, and she's got a big one, she's a billionaire personality. When I put that personality in service to the soul, well, then everything changes because I'm operating at a higher vibration. It's not about Oprah Winfrey. It's about a way to empower the emergence of the oversoul, what Emerson called, which is the one life, which is the source moving through the journey. And the goal is all of us. And then you hear that it's bigger than the individual. I'm going to close today with more together than alone from my beloved Greg Gomez, because in this wonderful book, More Together Than Alone, Mark Nepo says, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. We're here to serve the whole. It's not about the individual. Then you hear the Hopi prophecy. 
We're all in a river, this river of life that's evolving. He says the day of the lone wolf is over. It's not about the individual anymore. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. We're that evolutionary thread in consciousness. And then in the Hopi prophecy, they say at this time in our journey, it's important that we keep our head above water. Remember, it's a metaphor to keep our vision forward. And above everything else, we cannot afford to take anything personally at this stage of our evolution. Well, you mean it's only the finite self that wails and suffers. And what did you do with the finite self? You're not identifying with it anymore. You're identifying with your infinite nature, with your soul with divine love, with a creative impulse, with the intuitive response of the heart. I mean, something so much bigger is waking up in you when you start to bless it, bless everything. So well, I think I'll get a little bit more of his blessing here. He says, in the parched deserts of postmodernity, a blessing can be like the discovery of a fresh well, giving us drink. It would be lovely if we could rediscover our power to bless one another. I believe each of us can do this. When a blessing is invoked, it changes the one doing the blessing. Whoa, Barbara, I think we're supposed to bless everything, don't you? Could we bless the life we've been given, bless the body? It's so funny, that Ho'oponopono thing, it came back to haunt me this week because a young lady showed up in my class and she was having a breakdown and uh, she shared with me when she left Huntsville years ago her father was dying of cancer and so she went to be at his deathbed her mother and her sister had died all she had was her father at this stage of life and they had been estranged anybody been estranged from a relative so she's going all the way to Mississippi to be with the estranged father and my beloved friend gave her the Ho'opono prayer to do with her dad and so she said, when you're holding your father's hand as he's making his transition, just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you and thank you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for abandoning you, doing my thing, achieving whatever I did in the world. Please forgive me for not being the loving daughter that you always wanted me to be. Thank you for giving birth to this life and for being my dad and I love you. With all your foibles, with all your crazy ways, I love you. And she said it was the most beautiful death. And when she shared that story with me, she gave me a great gift because all we ever work on is our own self. That's all we're ever working on. How are you seeing the world? Mark talks about uh, the alchemy of light. As, as, as Sri Aurobindo said, are you putting on the mind of light? When you put on the mind of light, you see things with an illumined perspective. When you put on the mind of blame and judgment, and Greg showed me this beautiful video of Brene Brown, a, a cartoon about someone who lives in blame, and we have so much of the world that wants to blame everybody else for the problems that they're experiencing, you're literally uh, not doing what you need to do. I don't, you'll explain it to Greg later on. When a blessing is invoked, it changes our atmosphere and some of the plenitude flows into our hearts from an invisible neighborhood of loving kindness. The quiet eternal that dwells in our souls is silent and subtle. And in the activity of blessing, it emerges to embrace and nurture us. So let us begin to learn how to bless one another. And whenever you give a blessing, well then guess what? The blessing unfolds within you. Whoa, my goodness gracious. So when I'm lying there in the bed and I'm blessing the little pug, that space between us, I'm reaping the grace of that lovely experience. I told Lee to give this to Nancy because I woke up with a stomach ache the other morning. And um, 
I kept hearing that Ho'opono prayer. And so I put my hands on my tummy that was hurting, and I said, I'm sorry. I must have eaten something that disagreed with me, and it's not feeling very comfortable. Please forgive me. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take a Pepto-Bismol now, and I love you. And I just lay there in the bed talking to my little tummy, you know. And you know what? The pain went away, and I met the adversity by blessing it, by doing my own Ho'oponopono work on myself. Now, what if we get to start small in our lives? And it's, it's always the small things. Remember, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. And so I thought it was so funny when Mark and Greg went through the day of hell coming to Huntsville, and they get out of the airport, and then Mark gets a Tesla. And Greg says, of everything, you had to get a Tesla. We don't know how to drive one of these things. And then, of course, there's the Elon Musk story and his consciousness and how do I co uh, find congruency. with and, 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 and then you get to laugh because it's all here for you. My beloved Raul, he always keeps things in perspective for me. And he came to our class this week with a, a profound um, story about a man who was seeing his therapist. And he was going on and on how how tragic his life was, and he had the worst childhood, and you know, and, and his life's going to hell in a handbasket. And the therapist finally says to him, "Oh, and he was critical of everybody and and the, the, everything." And so the the therapist said, "Bill, stop criticizing yourself. Don't you realize that you're creating your own internal hell by what you're saying?" And he turns to the therapist and says, "I have standards." And I thought, you know, I have standards too. And then I found myself laughing. So we can still experience that part of us, that pain body that's on steroids that wants to stomp its feet and have a hissy fit. And we know that we have standards that have been programmed into us. I love the idea of integrity. From the time I was a little boy, ninth grade, and I did Shakespeare when he said, to thine own self be true, and it was follow as the night the day thou canst not be false to anyone. Now, how many little nine, ninth graders are told to be true to yourself? And if you're a young gay person in South Dakota and you think you're the only one on the planet, you think I gotta get a hell out of Dodge because I can't come out in this place. So you move to a big city and even then it's a difficult time. So it, it takes so much effort to learn to really love yourself, even with your standards. You know, I have a lot of standards. I want a religion that's a religion of love. I don't want hellfire and brimstone. I don't want someone saying you're an abomination because you were born a certain way. And so I do have standards. And Raul says, you're getting a lot of mileage out of that joke. And I said, yeah, I am. Because I'm finding the blessing in everything. Well, let's go back to blessings. Is there anything else? The quiet eternal that dwells in our souls is silent and subtle. And in the activity of giving a blessing, it emerges to embrace and nurture us. So let us begin to learn how to bless one another and whenever you give a blessing, well, the blessing comes back to you. Learn how to bless one another. Yeah. And then he jumps right into the next little chapter. It's we have to leap into a new beginning. Now, could we be willing to have a new beginning at whatever stage in life you're at? And he wrote a blessing for a new beginning. I'm going to close with that, that there is something in your soul up until now that may have been dormant, like Greg's getting his PhD in social work. Mark has a ministry that's organic and natural. What if this something is, is alive and fresh in you and it's not gonna be a cookie cutter version. It's gonna be authentic and real and you can only discover it by opening to the new. Not the old, but something new wants to emerge. Could we be a 23rd century religion here where we're not bound by institutions? 
that we are connected to something so much bigger. That's why I brought in that Hawaiian thing. It is so simple. All you ever deal with is your own consciousness. Could you be willing to have a new consciousness? Well, I think so. Ernest Holmes, the thing itself, the way it works, what it does and how to use it. The thing itself is this precious consciousness that we've all been given. The way it works, it works through us. And what it does is it creates a new life. As my teacher Kennedy would say, it doesn't make retreads. So could we be open to a new life? Michael retired. Could we open to a new life as the potter par excellence and whatever that might mean? Michelle got married to a, a handsome husband. I still haven't met him. Or maybe I did meet him on the plane. But she started into a new life. What if we all, by coming here, you made a commitment to a new expression of who you are? Not the old idea that your parents might have shared with you because, you know, they lied to you. I just finished a Circle of Love retreat up there in Ohio, and I was with beloved Jack Fowler, who was raised in the Pentecostal evangelical movement. His parents were preachers. The women were not allowed to wear pants. They didn't cut their hair. You weren't allowed to go to the movie theater. If you did, something was going to happen. And so when he was 12 years old, young Jack sneaked away and went to the movie complex and got tickets to the goodbye girl. But then being that he said, if I'm going to commit a sin, a mortal sin at that, I'm going to sneak into the other theater, which had the poltergeist or something rather controversial. And then the, the usher said, do you have tickets, young man? And he said, yes, but I, I went into the wrong theater. And so he sneaked back into the goodbye girl, thinking that it's X-rated or PG-rated. And, and then the, the usher said, is your mother with you, young man? He said, yes, she's in the bathroom. He lied. And then, of all things, the movie theater caught on fire. It caught on fire. Jack went to Penny's, hid in the bathroom, and he called his mother on the cell phone and he said, if mother answers, at least I know that the rapture hasn't taken her. Now, this is programmed in a really crazy way. I said, oh, Jack, how much of that did, were you able to expurge from your consciousness? He said, oh, it's all still in there. I have this image of the Antichrist cutting off my head because I went to the movie. I, enough, enough. But when you can goof on it and see it and face it, well, then you're having a dialogue with your own shadow self. And that's such the healing. This is for you, Greg. Mark Nepo's more together than alone. He talks about, could we let the pain body speak? Because the pain body has something to say. And he references a time when he went to South Africa. Jan and I went to South Africa in 1999. And I went to a place called Robben Island where Nelson Mandela was incarcerated for 27 years. And Nelson Mandela, he said, we will make this prison a university of suffering. You know, it was the Dalai Lama that wrote a book called The Art of Living. No, it was Thich Nhat Hanh that wrote a book called The Art of Living. And His Holiness, the Dalai Lama said, he should have called it The Art of Suffering. He says, because when you know how to suffer well, because suffering will arise, well, then you have dominion over the suffering. So Nelson Mandela was saying the same thing. We're going to be here for 27 years. We're going to turn it into the university. We're not going to be victims. Now, this saintly man was there for 27 years, incarcerated because he was black during the time of apartheid. And in his saintly ways, he Gandhi called for a thing called satyagraha, which is grasping or holding on to the truth. Could we cling to the truth, even though it upsets everyone? My teacher Kennedy used to say, the truth will set you free, but first it pisses you off. People don't want to hear the truth. So, so Mandela said, we're going to grasp at the truth 
And what did he develop to heal this? He launched what he called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where the people could go before and say how they'd been abused. And in his Truth and Reconciliation Commission, they healed in South Africa because they found voice for the pain body to be heard. It was no longer suppressed or repressed. So, um, and then he goes on to say, Mark Nepo, Oprah Winfrey took this same idea in the 1980s and she had a gay man who had AIDS who went to use a swimming pool who was denied use of the swimming pool because he was HIV positive. She had him come on her show. And then she had 200 men in 2010 who were sexually abused as children. And Oprah gave their voice permission to talk about the abuse that they had gone through so that it could be healed in a deeper way. So what if in creating the new beginning, part of it is that we have to meet the toxic history that we've all been raised with. You know, we've been having some fun conversations at the dinner table and the breakfast table. We all have a story from childhood. I remember talking to my little sister and I left uh, South Dakota when I was 18, could get the hell out of Dodge, and she was nine years old. And she reminded me that you left me there with those crazy parents for all those years. And I didn't realize that I had to listen to her pain body as she berated me for abandoning her and mom and dad did the best they could. I mean, I survived it. We all survived mom and dad, didn't we? In their own toxic sort of way. And yet she still held this resentment that I had abandoned her as a child. And so I got to listen to her. And as she was speaking about how dad was never ever available, I got clear that our father couldn't give us what he didn't have to give. He didn't know how to give love because he didn't have it to give. And if you're always going to someone expecting them to give you what they don't have to give, well, you're going to a well that has no water. And I did remind her, I said, you know, the one thing dad did, I said, he could sit so quietly and listen to you. Whereas mother would go off and rant and rave, dad would sit and listen. He had that deep capacity to listen. And she said, you know, I kind of remember that part. So to reframe it, to see things with fresh eyes, that you're not a victim, you don't need to spend your whole life blaming your parents, and then you can ask somebody, are you willing to forgive them? And if they stomp their feet and go out of the room, you realize you've gone too far there. Maybe they could accept them, as Greg reminded me. And that's the first step in healing this narrative that keeps you bound in an idea of separation. So at the end of this beautiful treatise on letting the, the trauma speak, Mark Nepo says, the power of truthful storytelling that's brought out into the open can't be underestimated. He says, these warriors, they didn't seek revenge, but they bravely told their oppressors the truth of what their actions had caused in their lives. And in so doing, they deepened what it meant to be a spiritual warrior. They were no longer victims. And she said in a strange sort of way, they had a public healing on Oprah Winfrey by the willingness to express from the trauma. At the very end, he said, when we do this, this restores wholeness. It did it for Nelson Mandela and the South Africans putting ourselves back together by finishing what is unfinished within us and between us will then allows communities to form in a healthy way. We have to be willing to heal our stuff. You know, it shows when people work on themselves, doesn't it, Greg? It really shows. He's got a little tear in his eyes. I just love that man. The last sentence, the truth once put in open, once put in the open will bind us while the truth that's kept secret separates us. Once the truth is expressed, it binds us that we're, we're not alone. We've all had some abuse. Who out there has had some abuse? 
Well, I think we're, yeah. And it binds us as one. And when we keep those things secret, he said it separates us. So what if in this truth and reconciliation, we could meet at the table like Emily did and meet your seemingly enemy and find out that you have an awful lot in common to build those bridges of oneness so that we can enter spirit with one another in a healthy sort of way. And then one of the real healing ideas that I got from Louise Hay is everybody's doing the very best they can with what they have. So could I accept that? My dad did the very best with what he had. So did my mom. So did my grandparents. So did our society. So did our religious religions. I mean, I think they really tried to teach love. They got a lot of fear and the devil in there. But, you know, I still love the message that Jesus gave. The neighbor lady across the street says, we just need to follow what Jesus taught. They said, you know, I agree. Just to love one another and to forgive 70 times 7 and to not judge. I said, I totally agree. So could we follow the messenger and his example and set ourselves off in a new beginning? So I'm going to do John O'Donohue's blessing for a new beginning, and I'm going to do it twice. The first time it will go in, and the second time feel it coming out. And I invite you to take it for yourself in the first person. Remember the blessing is here to transform the one who receives the blessing. There's an old saying, if you give a gift to somebody and no receive it, who does it belong to? Well, I guess it belongs to the giver. So if John O'Donohue is giving you the gift of a blessing for a new beginning, and he's inviting your soul to set itself on fire, this is the time, this is the time you've been given, are you willing to say yes to this new beginning of your soul? I think he's asking an awful lot. Should I do it, Emily, or is it too too controversial? It's not quite the Vedanta Society who would have you obey their rules. This is saying, open your soul and discover that imprisoned splendor that longs to sing through you and express through you. It's my favorite, one of his blessings. I gave you this book, by the way, Mark, because I think it'll enhance your ministry. And there's one particular blessing at the very end that I thought of you in the recovery program. This is very, very short. He said, may all that is unforgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. And may all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with love. Whoa, that's kind of sweet and simple. You think you could take another dose of that? May all that is unforgiven in you be released. Anybody got some unforgiveness work to do? I set you free. I love you and I set you free. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. By meeting the fear, you find the peace right at the core of the fear. I was a frightened little boy. I was afraid of the darkness at night. And when I found that I could trust the darkness, that it held the light, well, then it brought the tranquility that was already and always there. Lastly, may all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with love. Well, it's all love and it's all grace. And he's asking you to blossom in this new beginning. Well, I think we're ready for the new beginning, don't you think, Greg? Here's the blessing for the new beginning. I invite you to close your eyes. He says, in the out of the way places of your heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave 
what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered. It heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent and wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground. Your eyes young again with energy and a dream, a path of plentitude opening before you. And though your destination is not yet clear, my beloveds, you can trust the promise of this opening. So unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning. Oh, I like that, I have to say that again. So unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. One with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure, holding nothing back, and learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. The world senses. Your soul senses the world that awaits you. In the out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and meet the sparkling one who came from a star. No. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness grow inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered. It heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent and wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight, when your courage kindled, courage comes from heart, when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dreams, a path of plentitude opening before you. Life is calling you to a greater expression. And though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. I am opening, I am opening, my heart is ready to receive. And so unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. And so unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Oh, awaken your spirit to adventure, holding nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. And soon you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Your soul senses the world that awaits you. And so we stopped to access that part of ourselves that lies stretched in smiling repose, waiting to embrace the dream of this holy instant of now, knowing that it's been waiting probably for lifetimes to emerge, to blossom, to unfurl itself through the lived expression of the soul. And so we surrender to that.
Be open to that. We honor that. We respect that. And as we honor, respect, and love that within ourselves, we also honor, respect, and love it in seeming other, realizing that there really is no other. We understand the meaning of namaste. When that place of wholeness awakens within me, it sees itself reflected in the world. And so my challenge, my opportunity, and my responsibility is to go home, a place that is always already there waiting to embrace us with a clarity, an enthusiasm, a sense of wonder, an abiding peace, an overflowing joy, and a compassionate heart that says, this is the moment the Lord has made and I rejoice and am glad in it, no matter what that moment is. So in this place of the new beginning, I invite you to put your hand on your heart and join with me in the heart salutation by saying to this emerging consciousness of light and love, I honor you. I respect you. I love you. I open the portals of my soul and allow the emergence of light and love to reveal its presence wherever it is needed so that we might grow and evolve as one life seeing itself in its possibility and potential uh, radiantly expressing the beauty of the one. Hip, hip, hooray. And hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You might as well use what you got. So thank you for showing up. It's a delight. A new beginning has started. Now all it requires is that you take the next step and trust. Always trust that the universe will give you everything. And sometimes it'll give you a button pusher. Ah, oh, there's someone pushing my buttons. Could I love the button pusher? Because he's showing me my own button. Yeah, and you change. Everything becomes a blessing. So thank you all for being so beautiful. Mark, it's so nice to have you home. For listening to our podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.cslhuntsville.org.